BeastNet podcast, sponsored in part by James Safety Services, OCR Buddy, and supported by the fitness community. Here we discuss all things fitness-related, running, rucking, mental health and preparedness, and of course, obstacle course racing. Welcome to the BeastNet. Hey everybody out there in BeastNet land, Brother Boggs letting you know this is part two of the episode with... Pretty Mike and Josh Kaler. I, I was insane, and I did Montana this year. And someone told me that basically they didn't think I could do it wearing a twenty-pound uh, rock. So of course I'm like, of course I can. So I did the whole trifecta weekend wearing a twenty-pound rock because I'm stupid. Ooh. But um, <laughs> and it was one of those I, I refused help. Um, the closest I came to getting help was for the on the beast because the the ropes were up higher. I took off the pack. Well, I did that, and that's the only one besides that and the rope climbing. The only ones I took to be took the pack off for but it was just you know i'm like nope i'm doing this all i'm doing it and you know i've got a video and everyone's like wait a minute are you still wearing the rock while you're doing bender i'm like yes i was um and you get that you know you get that in your head you're like i'm gonna do this this is my challenge and i know joey and them they they completely understand that they're like we're here to help you but we're gonna let you do it your way and that's what's amazing about them is they're not going to be like, no, we're here to help you. And it's like, nope, cool. If you want to do the burpees, you do your burpees. But if you just know we're here, if you need us, you know, it, yeah. My, my friends have, have been so patient with me, whether it's, whether it's my wife or Leo Bryant, um, Doc B, um, he's run with me a couple of times. Uh, you brought up Montana. I, I ran Montana and I did, I did uh, the super in age group. It was my first eight attempt at going back to age group, you know, and I, I wanted to really do it to a T, you know, zero help. And, uh, and he, he knew that I didn't have anybody kind of running with me and, and, and talk about selflessness. You know, I, you know, I've talked about Joey doing it, you know, he's not the only one Leo Bryant. Um, he basically ran the beast and the sprint competitively for himself, but for the super, he basically gave up positioning in order to bait. He essentially, he started half an hour after me, or maybe it was 15 minutes and he ran until he caught up with me and then basically shadowed me as a, as a safety partner for the rest of the race, even though we were both in, in age group and he knew that I was a stubborn son of a gun and wouldn't accept physical help. He knew that I kind of needed a safety person because, you know, it was a tough course at that point, I was maybe four and a half, five months post-op, you know, still nowhere close to the 18 months that was recommended for me to, to heal up. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, I've, you know, I've got a lot of really good, really selfless friends who are not only giving up their time, but in, in the case of, of Leo, multiple times he has given up placement and the opportunity to compete because he sees a need for a friend to have somebody that knows the condition, knows what to look for. Um, and I'm beyond humbled. I almost feel really selfish sometimes because I know that so many people are giving up a lot of things that are important to them. You know, age group runners who are competitive and knocking on the door of podiums and competing for series points and yearly points for the, the awards that, that you can get an age group at the end of the year when they stop and run a race with me at my pace with red headbands and say, you know, forget about my points, forget about the standings, forget about my placement. I want to make sure you're safe 
because I know enough about your condition that other people don't. And if you start saying gibberish words or exhibiting signs, um, I'm going to you know, be able to recognize that a lot sooner than what a volunteer or a random fellow racer would. Uh, and they choose to run with me. Um, that's not something that I take lightly or take for granted. Um, you know, I, I'm going to owe a lot of people a lot of favors at the end of this year. I mean, I mean, and, and even if the season were to stop right now, I, I already do. So Joey, Elizabeth, Leo, you know, my wife, all the people that, that have, have run with me, the, the other people, there's too many people with more hearts than scars to, to fully mention everybody. Um, I, I recognize your sacrifice and I am beyond thankful. Um, you know, so, if, you know, if anything, that's my message out to, to the community and, and to the friends that have helped me. Um, I hope that I can be, you know, 10% of the friend to you guys going forward that you've been to me. And, uh, you know, I love the community, you know, I, I'm, I'm addicted to the races, but I'm addicted to the community even more. I can't stop going to the races because what I just described, you don't get in your nine to five job. Usually yeah. you don't, you don't get on your neighborhood street. Usually, you know, there might be a couple of people who are, you know, work with some, some folks that are their best friends or, or have incredible, incredible neighbors. But for the most part, 99% of people don't experience something like that. And, uh, it's addicting and you, you don't, you know, I, when faced with, with the risk of returning to OCR, knowing that I would be missing out on all of those types of experiences and that I would probably just sit on the couch and get de depressed. You know, the, the other side, the other option for me was to accept the condition, live a, an incredibly easy life. And I will, knowing myself, I would probably get undisciplined, get depressed and go back to playing video games and watching TV. And, you know, I knew that that wouldn't be good for my cardiovascular health either. So I decided to return to OCR and I'm doing what I can. I take blood pressure medicine. Um, I got to do special breathing techniques on most obstacles or skip the obstacles and do burpees. And when I'm doing my burpees, I have to exhale every time I'm pushing, um, you know, different little things that uh, I've learned to do from physical therapists or from the doctors and specialists in order to minimize the spikes in blood pressure. And I'm trying to get by as best as possible and, and pull off the seemingly unthinkable. Um, and it's just great. It's uh, <laughs> Well, it's one of those things, you know, I mean, not to, you know, I mean, whether you're religious or believe in the universe or whatever, I mean, you know, it could be one of those things that maybe this was the universe's way of saying, hey, you are meant to be a podium, you are meant to be a something for other people with issues to look at and say, I can do this, because I understand exactly what you're saying. I have been that guy sitting on the couch eating potato chips, playing video games, um, and just letting myself get huge. And it sucks. The depression that comes along with that. Um what it does to your body, what it does to your mentally. And I don't think people realize that much. And I don't think I even realized how much stress that put on me mentally and physically until I lost the weight. And then all of a sudden it's like the mental like issues that come along with just sitting there playing video games and getting fat kind of, you know, fade away, a, not completely, but a little bit, you know, 
And then, you know, the physical, how much physically better I feel. My knee bugs me sometimes, but not like it used to. I mean, it used to be like I took three steps and my knee's like, hey, I hate you. <laughs> and now it's, you know, and not till after I do a marathon, then it hates me. But it's still, you know, I can do a marathon now. And that's, that's it. I mean, you know, maybe that's, you know, you were meant to be that guy to show everybody else and say, hey, I can throw all this physical issues at you. Because, I mean, we haven't even mentioned everything before the heart issue. Right. You know, which the heart issue is a, a huge, <laughs> you know, but I've seen the email and I've read all this stuff that tells me all this stuff that you did that happened prior to the heart, that you continued to be physically active. I mean, you know, like you said, we, we all have those things. And that's one of the things I love is most time you talk to a lot of like athletes and everyone assumes they've been an athlete their whole life. And they don't realize like a lot of us, I was an athlete up until junior high when I blew my knee and then I stopped being an athlete. And I started being just, you know, a fat guy sitting on the couch eating potato chips, you know, and I would gain weight and lose weight a little bit here and there. But it wasn't until, you know, the last like two years where I finally was like, no, I'm done. You know, and I really started focusing on the exercise and really putting a plan in place that everything changed. You know, when people look at me now and they're like, you're a runner, you're an athlete. And I'm like, have you seen pictures of me from two years ago? I was 285 pounds. Right. You know? And people don't see that. They see now. Right. I mean, what what uh, what else did you step out of to to get to where you're at? I mean, I, I I know the heart issue, but the heart issue came after you've actually had gone through what most people wouldn't have to begin with, right? Um, you know, I, I talk about it differently now because I I have a different perspective. But um, you know, in my early twenties, while serving in the the military, I I had some off duty accidents. You know, playing softball of all things. Um, tore my shoulder out of socket, uh, tore my rotator cuff about 70% of the way around. And I was really kind of set up for, for failure with that whole debacle because I was, I was low in rank and I was at a, a duty station where they didn't have an MRI machine at the actual Naval hospital. Um, and so the military didn't spend the five plus thousand dollars to send me off base until I had basically wasted six months doing rehab for nothing. And then they're like, you know what? You, you're not showing any improvement and we're going to, we're going to send you off base. <laughs> no joke. They, they send me off base and the guy like gets my results. And he's like, Hey, I'm not supposed to talk to you, but um, here's my phone number. I'm going to, you know, he gives me his phone number on a little sticky note. And he's like, this is my personal number at my house. I want, I'm going to send these back to your, your command. If they tell you anything other than that, that you need immediate surgery, please call me and I'll, I'll try to get involved. Um, he's like, because your shoulder is so torn. Like it's barely hanging from like, he said I had 25 to 30% in the front uh, that was attached and everything all around the top back and all up under my armpit was, was completely torn in regards to my labrum. So I, I had a, I, I got surgery on it and the, the clown show didn't really stop there, so to speak, because, um, the person who operated on me left an instrument tip in my shoulder. It like unscrewed from the, the orthoscopic, uh, you know, instrument, uh, wand, if you will, um, don't really know the, the terminology, but, uh, an instrument tip came off in my shoulder to this day. I still have it in my left deltoid. It shows up, um, uh, shows up on x-rays and, 
you know, like I wake, I wake up from the surgery and they're, they're taking x-rays with a portable x-ray machine. And they're like, don't move, don't move. We got to, we got to figure out uh, where the instrument tip is. And I'm like, what, you know, I'm like coming out of anesthesia. I'm like, what is going on here? You know, they're like, we may have to go in again, you know, hold still, you know, we got to find out where it's at, you know, and, and, you know, I'm barely conscious, you know, so it was a debacle. Um, I found out later after tearing my easily tearing my shoulder out of the, out of socket again um, and having it operated on by somebody who was really good uh, that did my revision surgery. Um, you know, they, they said that essentially when the military operated on me the first time they said in their opinion, they should have used seven or eight suture anchors for, for that large of a tear. They used four and they didn't um, I guess in a, in the labral tear or a joint where you have a, a capsule around it, um, we're supposed to use a thermal device to kind of, kind of melt things together a little bit in, in between the, the, all the anchors that they put didn't do that, you know? So it was basically like, you know, four, four little snips to hold the main pieces together, you know, throw me out the door with an instrument tip in my shoulder, <laughs> you know, so that, What's all you know, that close was a, enough for government work. Yeah. That, that was a <laughs> snowball effect. Uh, you know, that created like a snowball of, all kinds of weird things. You know, I, I tried to overcome those, um, stayed in for a little bit, um, you know, and just the, the doctor's opinions and the doctor's opinions of, uh, what happened to me after that, when I, I tore some ligaments in my foot, it was just a a very negative picture. And I knew what, what a debacle my, my surgeries were for my shoulder. And, you know, I'm not a doctor. I'm not medically trained. You know, I've studied nutrition, but you know, that doesn't, that doesn't make you uh, a surgical doctor by any, any stretch of the word, you know? So I was like, they're the experts, you know, who knows better than them. So I took it at face value. I took all the negative stuff at face value. I didn't really have anybody telling me anything different. I didn't, I didn't have any OCR minded friends, you know, they, it wasn't, it, it wasn't that I had bad friends, but uh, I didn't particularly have anybody who had experienced, you know, overcoming, you know, the, the huge life obstacles or, or, you know, just the OCR mindset of overcoming physical obstacles, you know, to kind of pull me in a different direction. So, you know, flash forward 12 years later, I finally got into OCR, started Googling every reputable physical therapist, you know, who had good shoulder rehab videos that I could possibly find and started rehabbing my shoulder, started rehabbing my foot, did P90X, P90X2, P90X3, finally did my first Spartan race and I I was hooked. Um, I didn't have the cardiovascular running base, but uh, that that slowly started getting there over the, over time, over the course of, uh, over the course of a, a year or two of, of doing the races. And by the time I woke up from the open heart surgery, just recently, I had had a lot of surgery recovery experience. And, um, although it was by far my most difficult surgery and the most difficult to, um, just recover from other than the anxiety, it in some ways was easier to handle than my my surgeries that I experienced in my early twenties. So in my early twenties, I didn't have a good mindset. In my early twenties, I didn't have 
faith in myself. I didn't have faith that if God was willing, you know, and I put in the work, you know, it could happen. Um, now at like 40 years old, I knew that if God was willing and wanted me to be able to do something, I just needed to put in the work. I knew that I knew from experience that if I radically changed my diet, that it can radically affect your recovery rate. I knew that if I put a radical emphasis on trying to get as good a sleep as possible, trying to hydrate as much as possible, trying to move as much as possible. And at the beginning, it just meant getting up and down out of the chair a lot and then making sure that making sure that I had, uh, you know, I walked or used little stretchy bands, you know, I had the mindset of, of an experience of having been through that before. Um, so it was, it was only the parts that were specific and unique to a heart surgery that were, were difficult. The other rehab, you know, like my right pectoral didn't really work at first, but, uh, I didn't let it bother me too much because I, you know, I had studied muscle activation with respect to my other injuries, you know, and so I started working the, the stretchy bands to, to work mm-hmm. on that. And I immediately sought the, um, the expertise of a physical therapist. And so I started using all these little things from you know, previous experience and, you know, just combined with having a, a better mindset and a better outlook, I was confident that I, you know, would have a, a decent recovery and, you know, so far so good. Um, there's definitely a lot of scares still, a lot of things that produce anxiety, but uh, God's got me here for a reason. That reason might not be to chase personal medals or trifectas, and I have to realize that, and I have to stay attentive to that, but my number wasn't called, so until my number is called, I'm doing whatever I can, trying to stay as positive as I can, trying to keep an open mind to what God has in store for me and uh, taking it one day at a time. And that's really all we can do. And it's one of those things. That's, uh, and I've mentioned this to people before is it's really interesting. If you look at almost every religion and belief system on the planet, there's always almost always something very similar to the God helps those who help themselves, you know, and for us to sit on the couch and pray that God's going to make us better. Isn't going to work. Um, no matter what belief system you have, you have to get up and do the work. God's going to help you or the universe or Allah or whoever is going to help you because you did something, you know, they're not going to do it for you. You still have to do something. And that's one thing that's amazing with you is, I mean, you, you push through, I mean, through all these different things that kept being thrown at you saying, you know, you can't do this. And you're like, yeah, I can watch me. You know, and that's that that's what's amazing. I mean, you know, talking to you and listening to to everything you've gone through, that was pretty much stuff thrown at you in your path, obstacles, you know, per se, thrown at you in your path, and you just found a way around it. It's my favorite saying is from one of my best one of my good friends, Jesse, is he always says, always forward. Mm-hmm. And that's been my my motto. I mean, when I was swimming in the triathlon, I'll be honest, swimming is my weakest, my weakest thing. And all I kept thinking was always for just keep moving, you know, and the, the lifeguards like, do you need a rest? Do you need it? You know, whatever. And I'm like, no, because if I take that rest, that's my out. And I'm not giving myself <laughs> that out. I'm swimming this whole damn thing without one stop, one rest. I'm doing it. And that was my personal 
I had to do it myself, you know, right. and that was me. I mean, I finished it cause I did it me, you know, and I never thought I would do it. That's been on my bucket list for 20 years. I'm like, I can't swim well enough to do a triathlon. Well, I did. I did it. Which is, yeah, you did. You know, in, in yeah. these, in situations like that, you kind of hit the nail on the head. You have to do the work, you yeah. know, so things don't just magically happen in regards to progression in a, in a recovery. You know, there are things. So I, I believe, well, let me back up. I, I, I say these things knowing that not everybody shares the same beliefs. You know, you mentioned, you mentioned several belief sets, you know, just a second ago, you know, there's a lot of belief sets and, you know, that differ from mine. And there's a lot of people who don't have a religious belief set at all. They, they think it's a bunch of malarkey. Um, and I don't try to look down upon anybody for anything. I personally believe that I am a sinner saved by grace. Um, you know, I'm saved by the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. That's what I believe. Um, I believe that, that God is sovereign in my life. And along with that, it, it means that, you know, there are things that God lined up or that I feel that God lined up in regards to the doctor that was available, the, the being at home versus being, you know, I, I died for two and a half minutes, even being four minutes from the hospital, you know, so things had to line up so perfectly for me to still be here because there's like a less than uh, 4% chance or something like that of, of surviving an unplanned aortic dissection. Um, <laughs> So having the on-call nurse that had previously worked in the heart center, calling ahead to the heart center so that the, the doctor could get called in and everything was prepped and ready for me. And I still almost didn't make it. Um, you know, there's so many miracles that I can't explain that I, I just take on faith and I'm, I'm thankful to God for, for blessing me. Mm. Now that it has happened, that I've been spared, you know, I believe that basically, you know, there's goalposts, or, so to speak. You know, I don't know exactly what my maximum po potential is post-surgery, but I, I imagine it's some sort of range. You know, there's confines to God's sovereignty for my life. And, you know, if I basically do nothing, then I'm going to be bouncing around over here, you know, and not reaping any benefit of of effort, you know, but, you know, we have free will to make the dietary choices, to do the work, to do the training, to get up off the couch, to do the hard things, to take the advice, do the research, do the hard work again, you know, make the, every meal is a choice to, to eat something that God designed to heal our bodies with, or to eat man-made junk that is a, basically a substitute for, for food. And, yeah. And really isn't food at all, you know, so all of those little battles, those little choices, you know, I think contribute, you know, I don't set the, the boundaries or the confines for my life, you know, that's completely up to God's sovereignty, but I do have the, the free will to make as good a decisions as possible. And I don't always make them, you know, I'm, as, as I said, I'm, I'm a sinner saved by grace, or if you don't believe in that sort of thing, I'm just, you know, a human who makes a lot of mistakes. I have the same temptations, same failures, same bad inclinations, you know, as any other man on this planet. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm trying my best and I've chosen, I've made the choice to make conscious choices with my, my food, uh, to be selective, 
to eat as if I'm preparing for the Olympics. I know I'm not preparing for the Olympics. I know that that's not where the upper limit of my potential is, but whatever the upper level of my potential is at, even though I don't know it, I know that to get anywhere close to it, I'm going to have to do certain things. So I've made the conscious choice to try my best to do those certain things, to put an emphasis on, on sleep, uh, to try to say no to unhealthy things, to try to say yes more often to, to things that, that lower the stress, to eat anti-inflammatory foods, to spend extra money on real clean food versus processed junk. Um, you know, we all have those choices and um, I feel that it's helping. It doesn't guarantee anything. It doesn't guarantee that I'm, I'm going to live a certain amount of time or that I'm going to experience, uh, you know, a return to, you know, competitive age group racing and get on a podium. You know, that it's not about that. It's, it's that within my new limits of my scenario um, and my situation, um, if I want to be, you know, like I said, you know, bouncing around in the full potential area, I've got to do something. It, it takes some effort on my part. So so whether it's a whether whether that stems from a religious belief or a completely non-religious belief, you still have to put in the work. Uh, that that's the part that uh, the religious people and the non-religious people, uh, I'm sure, can agree upon. And everyone hates if you the don't, answer. If you don't put in, if you don't put in the work, you know, yeah. You know, well, how's the, the saying go? You know, don't be upset with the results you didn't get from the work that you didn't do. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So well, that's funny thing. When I lost all the weight, I get so many people that ask me, what was your secret? Uh, I changed my diet and I worked hard. <laughs> and they're like, well, no, what's your secret? Literally, I changed my diet and I stopped eating the crap and mm-hmm. started making food at home. And me and my wife started cooking, you know, really good meals at home. And I started running. And they're like, oh, well, I don't like that. That's the answer you're going to get. It's hard work and dedication. I mean, you have mm-hmm. to be you have to work for it. It's not going to be something. There's no magic pill or magic prayer or magic spell you can give. That's going to suddenly put you into shape. You have to put in the work. <laughs> that's what's amazing with like everything you've been through is, you know, and I, like I said, I haven't been to the level you are, but I've been to that level where it seems like the universe or God or whatever you want to believe in is throwing obstacles in your way to say, you need to, this isn't what you need to do. And, but you keep going anyway. And you realize that the rewards that you get by pushing past those obstacles and going over those obstacles or around them or whatever you have to do to get past them is well worth the effort. We're definitely on the same page. So I know on the email that you sent back to Don with all the, the info, you said stuff and you've got a couple a couple things coming up. What I do. Do you want to wanna tell everyone about that? Because normally we try and keep about an hour. We're going to go over that hour and people are just going to have to deal with it. But, you know. <laughs> That's a- this is a, that's a lot of time for people to to listen to me talk. So oh, yeah. I pre- appreciate you know if you're watching this, I appreciate you hanging into this this point. Uh, probably wondering what is this uh, big teeth guy gonna gonna say next, you know? <laughs> but uh, I, I do have some pretty exciting things coming up. We, we we've still got additional races. We got Asheville, Hawaii, and West Virginia on tap. Um, I haven't mentioned it, but uh, I because of my restrictions for doing obstacles, I'm only supposed to lift about half of my body weight to keep the blood pressure down. So I've had to unfortunately withdraw from stuff like Savage Race, and I had to withdraw from a couple of my OCR World Championship races. But 
the silver lining is that uh, that OCR Worlds is working with me and I get to guide my son on course. That's going to be a, a pretty cool experience. My, oh, wow. my my 14-year-old son is going to run the, the races at, at OCR World Championship. He's going to be one of their either the first or one of the their first visually impaired racers running in age group. And I'm going to run as a guide and I'm going to have like a, a, a vest on that, that states that I'm a guide. And as since I can do the, the trail running portions, I'm basically going to get to be his visual spotter to allow him to run the competitive race. And the, the real catch is that I, that I just have to make sure that I stay out of the way of other racers. We obviously can't impede the other racers, but he's going to be able to do the competitive course, even being visually impaired so that he can experience that. And I get to kind of live vicariously through him. And it's probably going to be just as awesome to do that than it would have been to compete in the 15 K as myself. So lots of cool stuff coming up, um, on my Instagram page, I'm working with some partners on some great stuff. Inside Tracker has helped me a lot in my recovery. We've talked about the nutrition. They've done some blood testing for me and I got to see firsthand, you know, scientific evidence in what I am low on, what I'm high on and adjust my diet accordingly. Their their help in relation to my low iron has been a tremendous help because I've actually struggled less at altitude after heart surgery than I previously did before the heart surgery, uh, simply by adjusting some stuff in my diet related to my iron and ferritin and hemoglobin levels. Inside Tracker, totally worth the money if you're ever considering that. I mean, looking at some of the stuff they do, that's amazing because that's one thing for me. Like I've been trying to figure out, and I pretty much just attributed to that I pushed too hard in the month of June. I pushed hard in the month of June. I did two marathons. I did a hiking thing that was over 30 miles and then did another one like the next weekend, another 30 miles. And ever since then, my body's just been like, screw you, we're done. And that's been the hard part is like, did I overdo it or am I lacking on some, you know, some supplement? Do I, do I need iron? Do I need, you know, vitamin D? What, what am I lacking in my, my, you know, my blood, which, you know, that would tell me, what am I lacking that would push me past that limit? Why have I been, you know, I haven't been able to do a sub 30, like 5k in almost a month, which to me is just driving me absolutely batty. Cause that's, that's slow to me if I can't get under 30 minutes, but I've just, my body is just like, no dude, you're done. You need to, you know, and it's just like, do I need to stop and take a break for a bit? Or do I, is there just some, some part of my body, some, something I'm deficient in right now that I just need to, I need to eat something with more iron or I need to do this, you know, and that's, you know, looking at that, that, that would tell me it it's really beneficial because there's so much guesswork and I don't know about you, but I've been the kind of person that wants to tinker with their diet and take you know, vitamins and supplements yep. and be like, Hey, I, a lot of people are deficient in magnesium. So maybe I should take magnesium, but sometimes you don't really know for sure if you need it or not, you know, it, it, in a, good scenario, you might just be filtering it all out and, and peeing it down the drain and kind of just wasting your money. And in some cases, you might actually be causing a little bit of toxicity in your body by overdoing things a little bit, iron being one of them. And uh, fortunately, I was able to get the testing with them and found out for sure so that I could stop guessing about which ones I needed. You can see 
you can see which ones are in range, um, which ones are out of range. And, and even within the ranges, you know, if something's in range, but barely in range, and you know that you recently ate a bunch of foods that had that in it, and, and you're still barely in range, it, you can really play with, you know, if you, if you track your food over a week, for example, a week or two leading up to your test, um, and you get the results back, there's a lot of good information that, that you can see to, to game plan. What do I need more of? What do I need less of? What am I doing right? What am I doing wrong? And the, just the time that it saves you, it, it can save you money on supplements, but really just, again, taking the guesswork out of it because you get the results and you know yeah. what is what is what, and you know what you need, you know what you don't need, and you can kind of move on with your life and take take the, the mental stress out of it. So you get a little bit less of, you know, if you think about the times where you have runs that sometimes they're great, sometimes they're not great. And you, it's like the only variable is what you ate, you know? And so you try to go back to what you ate when you felt good and, you know, and you go back and forth with all this experimentation. Um, but sometimes you know, it might even not be what you ate right beforehand. It might be what you ate yesterday. Right. You know, and that's the hard part. That's the one thing for like me and my wife, we both, we lost a whole bunch of weight, you know, doing stuff. We cut a whole bunch out of our diets and, you know, changed what we ate. And both of us started like our hair started thinning. And my, my nickname's pretty Mike for my hair. So that kind of bugged me. And that was one of the hard parts was we were trying to figure out what it was. What did we cut out of our diet? You know, that was affecting, you know, that. And that's, you know, even our doctors were like, it could be multiple things that you cut out but they're not going to test for those. So it's like, you know, and that's one of those things that would help me. And like knowing that, Hey, this is what you're missing out of your diet. That could be one slowing you down the, to where you're not having your body. Isn't, you know, ready to start running again. That's why you're, you've suddenly gone from, you know, and I mean, I'm running like 32 minute five K's, but to me, that's like, I should be like 26, 27, not 32. So it, it's, it drives me nuts, you know, but it's, that might help me say, Hey, this is why you have this. And people, I don't think realize how much diet changes everything. Yep. Yep. And like I said, it's a, they're, they're a great company to work with. They, they've continued to try to educate me and, and really the, the community, their, their page is a wealth of information, even just reading through their posts on, on Instagram, you can, you can get a, a wealth of information, but uh, when you get a test done, they, they really give great deal into what foods you can eat to improve a certain marker, what foods you can avoid to improve a certain marker, but then also things that you can do in regards to, um, you know, sleep. Um, there's, I mean, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of different things. It's not just food and sleep, but uh, they have different lifestyle choices. A, a lot of times they'll like, for example, your cortisol levels and, and hormone levels, depending on where they're at and the, the different ratios, it, it might be an indication that you're overtraining. And there's been people that have found that if you actually dial back the cardio or and increase your your weightlifting, it might give you a better balance for your body. Um, or, or maybe it's the reverse. Maybe you need to do a little less weightlifting and a little more cardio, but you can see based off of what your hormone levels are instead of guessing, you know, and it, and that's what it all, all gets down to, you know, yeah. take, take the guesswork out of it, see where your hormones are actually at 
see where your inflammatory markers are at, you know, and, and, and go from there. And this is stuff professional athletes have been doing for years, mm-hmm. you know, for decades, probably. So right. it's just now, you know, really, I mean, people are like, oh, this is news. No, this isn't new. This is stuff professional athletes have been doing for a long time. Now it's just becoming affordable. You know, Inside Track is brought into an affordable way for us normal people to do it. Everything that I'm reading about on this stuff seems amazing. So. Um, so we're definitely over the hour that Don always winds at me to stay at. So <laughs> he's going to be mad. I've known Don. Sorry, Don. Me and Don met in, in preschool. So I pick on him all the time. But he, I, I'll be honest. When you talk about what Joey's done for you and everything like that, Don, that's what Don did for me in the start of this. You know, when I first started my, my weight loss journey, he was the one that kept me motivated and kept me doing this. I keep trying to get him to do it. And I keep trying to be for him what he was for me. But He's he's more stubborn than I am, so we'll see what happens. We'll we'll get we'll get him out there. We'll get him out there more. He does some, but he need, he needs to work on a little bit of that the a little bit of it. But he does have a brand new baby, so that he just adopted. So that that is that takes a little bit of his time, just a smidge. That that's tough. I I've got three kids myself, and uh, when they're little, it, it's it's tough. <laughs> it is like my youngest is nineteen, so I'm I'm done. No more. Um, so is there anything else you want to want to say to the listeners before we cut out of here? You know, people have been on for a long time if they're still listening at this point. So thank you again. Um, I'm a regular person. I've had a lot of help. If you need help, ask for help. If you need help, it, it's there. There's groups like More Heart Than Scars. We are Oscar Mike and so many other good teams out there. There's there's Facebook groups for like Spartan 4.0 and other groups like OCR Tribe, uh, Gormer, if you're in the Southeast, there's Southern Spartans, West Coast Spartans. There's You can link up with people on the OCR Buddy app and, yep. and find people who are going to do races in the same area. If you're not involved in the OCR community and you want to be, take that step, sign up for a race. You don't have to be ready for the race. Sign up for something that scares you. I, I encourage people all of the all the time. Sign up for something that scares you because until you have a date looming on your calendar, you're not going to have nearly as much motivation and an accountability to force yourself to do it. You know, a lot of people have trouble exercising. They have trouble with their diet. They have trouble with accountability. I've struggled with all of those off and on my entire life. I'm doing pretty decent with a, a lot of those now, but it took a long time to get to this point. It's okay to be a beginner. It's okay to be slow. It's okay that you can't do all of the obstacles. It's okay to be afraid. Still sign up for something. There will be somebody in open wave, you know, once the pro athletes have gone, there will be somebody just like you. I guarantee it at almost mm-hmm. Any race that you go to, there's cancer survivors, people coming back from major surgeries, amputees, military veterans with PTS, people who have lost loved ones, people who are running in memory of someone else, people who have lost hundreds of pounds, or they've only lost one or two pounds, but still have hundreds left to go, and they're out there. Join the community. It's a great community. That's my advice. I mean, you know, I said no to invitations to 
to go do a Spartan or go to a, go do a Tough Mudder or go do an adventure race for over 10 years of my life. And it wasn't until I finally did it after like 12 years of saying no, that I finally realized how much I loved it, how much I needed the community, how great it would be for my family, how many amazing friends I would meet. You know, I travel more. It changes my perspective on life, changes my perspective on bad things that happen to you in your day-to-day life. Because when you're, when you get used to willingly entering into a a challenging situation, a tough situation, you face the elements, you face obstacles, you face bad weather, you face mud, you face uncomfortableness, scrapes and bruises. And whether it's by yourself or with the help of other people, when you accomplish those things and you get used to that, it makes a lot of the other things that happen in your life way easier to take. And it changes your mindset on things. And I just want to invite as many people as possible. If you've been listening to podcasts like this and you're thinking about taking that first step, please take it. Please sign up for a race, ask for help, message me on Instagram. If you have questions about how to do that, find somebody, you know, my family is at most races, uh, most Spartan races. Cause we, uh, I have a season pass. And so we go to a lot of them. Um, it, highly recommend it. Um, I, there's very few people that, that try a race and try these challenges and don't enjoy it. So, you know, like I said, that's, that's my advice and I guarantee you, you can do hard things. So pull the trigger and I hope to see everybody out there. I agree. I mean, it's one of those things, like you said, I mean, it's really well put, just get out there and do it. Um, I, I would have never known how much I love this unless I finally went out and did it. Uh, just get out and do it. Uh, one of my favorite things to do is I used to when I get a lot of because I was I was street team and a lot of stuff with Spartan and I would get a lot of free races that I want to be able to use them all. And I would get friends all the time like I want to do it, but it's so expensive. I'm like, here's a free race code. What's your next excuse? Come on, let's go. Yep. And let's and, go. And you can, let's you can volunteer. Yeah. You know, a lot of people don't realize that if you can't afford a race, if there's one nearby you, almost every race vendor has opportunities to volunteer yes. because they have a, a core amount of staff that they they hire, but they rely heavily on on race day volunteers. And I've rarely been to a race where they have all of the volunteer slots completely maxed out. And yeah. if you volunteer at you know almost every race vendor, if you volunteer, you can later run that same day, or you can run the next day if it's something like a Spartan where they do multiple days and. You know, it, it really takes away the excuses. If you can, if you can get there, um, volunteers oftentimes get free parking. You work a shift, you meet a lot of people, you get the experience of, hey, you know, there's there's normal looking people just like me doing this. You know, so you get the you get the confidence, you get the experience, you get the exposure, you kind of get over the butterflies a little bit, and you get a, a free race out of it. So, so whatever you have to do, you know, save your money, volunteer. Or, uh, you know, join a giveaway, you know, somehow, some way, get there. Um, it, you won't regret it. No, you won't. And, and if you're worried about, you know, who to do it with, you want to, don't want to do it alone, reach out to, you know, Josh, reach out to me, you know, BeastNet. Um, you know, on Facebook, I'm Mike James. You know, we got the BeastNet uh, pod, which is the pretty much the whole team on Instagram. Um I have an Instagram, but it's my other personality. So I really don't use that one for, for this very much. I do comedy too. And I have a whole different, like, yeah, 
he's a little different than, than Mike. <laughs> um, so reach out to one of us. We'll tell you whatever area you're in. I'm pretty sure we know some group in that area that you can work with. Like you said, you know, you got Spartan 4.0, you got Southwest Spartans, you know, you got the Northeast Spartans, you know, you got to say it right. It's Spartans. Um, Spartans. Spartans. Um, so, I mean, they're, they're everywhere, West coast Spartans, everything else. I mean, you, you got them everywhere. So let it reach out to us. We'll tell you who to talk to. You can get some help. And, um, yeah, on that note, thank you all for listening. This has been a longer episode than we've had in a while, but this was such an amazing episode. And I had so much fun. Thank you, Josh. Um, yeah. And we will see you later. All right. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the BeastNet podcast. If you haven't done it yet, find us on Facebook, like, and share the podcast. Give us a review on iTunes or Spotify. All these things will help to expand the show in the future. Don't forget to subscribe and let us know what you think and what you'd like to hear. <laughs>